Hello, and welcome to the Two Strangers, One NFT Podcast. I'm your co-host, Quesarito. And I'm Omega. How are you doing today, Omega? Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. I'm very well. How's things? Doing good. Just woke up about an hour ago. <laughs> the luxury of having an easy Friday. And uh, yeah, and you're uh, getting ready for bed. <laughs> well, in a few hours time, I've got to have dinner first and, and stuff. It's uh, my partner's birthday weekend this weekend, so oh, very I'm sure nice. we'll, we'll have to figure something something to do. Still doing some whining and dining, yeah, something like that. Well, we recently bought a jacuzzi, so I'm probably going to be oh. spending a few hours in the jacuzzi this weekend, which would be nice. Good. Windy, sweaty jacuzzi set. Yeah, man. Yeah, nice. <laughs> this sounds like fun. Well, today I want to um, so something called the Fed Now rolled out, and I want to talk about it. It's kind of like an instant uh, payment settling process that the Fed launched. I think it was, what, yesterday that it came out? Mm -hmm. And so I want to go over that and kind of have that bleed into kind of a larger discussion about uh, payment systems and kind of how it affects people. And we can get into NFT royalties and how that ties into the bigger picture overall. Uh, And kind of focus on just kind of how the payment systems kind of work on the back end and reality of it. And how you're actually secretly getting nickel and dimed every time you use payment systems. <laughs> uh, and just all these middlemen sucking away all your money. And just like over time, you realize, oh, I just spent one to $2,000 this year just on payment systems. And how there's already all these tools out there to kind of mitigate that. Might be a boring topic, but I find it interesting. <laughs> Yeah, well, I think I think it is interesting because, I mean, as somebody from from the United Kingdom, I mean, we've had this service for years. Oh it's, yeah, and and it's always surprised me when I hear of my US friends and and stuff saying, "Oh yeah, I have to pay to transfer money between accounts, or it takes three days, or or, or something like that." Where I can go on my my preferred banking app. And I can move money between four different accounts within seconds, and it doesn't cost me a single thing. And I can transfer money all over the place within the United Kingdom. doesn't cost me a thing. Um, but the second I want to wire transfer anything to the US, then that's when they're like, hey, give me 50 bucks. And yeah. I'll, 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 I'll receive your money. <laughs> kind of good yeah. thing. Um, yeah, that's exactly it. So- because the UK's had it for, what, over 10 years now? And I know EU's got it. A whole bunch of other countries already have it. And so anyone in the U.S. who starts doing any type of international finance or even just within the U.S. alone, like you just get nickel and dimed every step of the way. And it's slow and it takes multiple days. And it's just a huge, huge mess when we have the technology to make all this instant and make it free. Yeah, it's it's mad. I mean, at the end of the day, it's just sending data isn't it <laughs> and yeah it's just it should happen as fast as the internet right yeah. and it's just going hey i've sent sent this from this person to that person and it's now in now in their account like yeah. i'm sure there must be some sort of verification and stuff in the background and, and, and checking yeah. just of the money on bits. yeah a little handshakes here and there but it's all automated it's not like there's a dude in in a cave somewhere going is this this real person? Check the bank accounts. And, yeah, and, it's not and like they're shipping gods. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's not like they're physically, you know, taking the cash across borders into these different banks. It's literally just an update in code, and that's literally all it is at this point. 
And so it just creates a, a very easy segue into the crypto space because that's the exact same thing. It's just economic digital data is all it comes down to. Um, and it just we just so happen to have this, you know, little piece of paper that signifies and represents what this data in the bank account says. But yeah, it's kind of complicated stuff. It's old news, but now it's new news at the same time. Or at least the Fed's trying to make it off as uh, really good news. But yeah, want me to get into the description of kind of what's, uh, well, what it is? Yeah, man, go for it, go for it. Yeah, so the Fed now is basically almost a copycat of what Venmo and Cash App and all these other payment settling systems do. And it's already something they do for the big banks for large transactions. Basically, this instant settlement um, requiring like zero delays within seconds. So banks already transfer millions of dollars between each other uh, instantly. But now with this coming out, the Fed now, it enables now more smaller businesses and consumers uh, to have access to the same system. So in a way, if your banks are participating uh, in the Fed now program, uh, they'll allow you to transfer money between people, other banks. And they started off with all the big hitters right away. I think it was 35 banks, the JP Morgan, the Wells Fargo, the Chase, all that fun stuff. And so, yeah, that launched yesterday and there's a lot of commentary about it. It could signify a larger, you know, kind of setting the stage for a CBDC now, because now everything's done digitally instantly, not too far of a step to implement a CBDC in there. And and some, some of the comments of some of the articles that I read going over, it was definitely some tinfoil hat. It's the... Uh... <laughs> Bring it back to the conspiracy They're going to take our bank accounts if we're <laughs> protesting something wrong or they don't like us or something. They could just instantly cut us off from that system and freeze our accounts. So it's kind of like a... Just another tool for the man to bring us down. <laughs> yeah, jokes on them. They can already do that. They didn't need this yeah. system to do that. If they surprise, want to take everything surprise. from you, they can do it. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. IRS comes in. They can freeze your accounts at any time, no matter where in the world you are. And yeah, on man. top of it, the, the kind of silver lining, though, was it's not an obligatory thing. It's voluntary. They're going to try to compete with the systems already out there. But the Fed being the Fed, naturally, they're going to instantly win in at least some like significant regard, but people still get to use Venmo and Cash App because that's just what they're used to at this point. But yeah, absolutely. I think the key thing here is like, unlike the peer-to-peer -peer payment services like the Venmo or, or PayPal, which act as the intermediaries, this is direct, isn't it? So they're settling directly into the, the central bank mm -hmm. accounts. But I mean, like, you know, like you've said here in the UK, we've had this for as long as I can ever remember. And we still use PayPal because at the end of the day, it's kind of ease of use. And if I go on a website that says, would you like to pay by PayPal? I know that the single side on on my computer, I just press yes, and then it's paid. Whereas mm -hmm. if I want to use my credit card or debit card or, or whatever, then I've got to go in, type all those details in, and then press pay. Like mm -hmm. PayPal and Venmo and stuff will, will still have their place for sure. It doesn't mm -hmm. matter how, how fast the payments are. I mean, it would be ridiculous for somebody to not use this because... Why would you want to pay somebody else to be an intermediary and then wait three days, you know, or, or whatever? Yeah. Just just press yes. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. I mean, I ran into that issue when I was uh, buying some property over in uh, Costa Rica was the seller, you know, was living in 
Georgia or Florida or something, but the property was in Costa Rica working through intermediaries there. And it was just complete hell of just trying to wire the money over, had to call my bank, had to wait on hold, pay $50 to send to that person. That person had to spend like $20 to receive the money. And all this information was needed. And if you mess up one single digit or one single character, then it ruins the entire transaction. And it took multiple days and it was just a complete mess versus, you know, using like Solana. They could have just sent me their Solana address. I send them some USDC transactions, good and done. We have a public, you know, ledger. I don't even know. I'd have to go through some crazy amounts of digging just to find the receipt of that transaction buying the property. But it looks like the Fed now would be a way to sidestep that entire wiring process altogether unless they make some silly rules of what you can use for Fed now and what you have to use the old fashioned wiring because that's our cash cow on the bank's end. It'd be kind of interesting to see how this uh, you know, will play out over time. But I'm optimistic that it will pretty much transition to the Fed now and wiring as we know it, it's just going to be a dead practice, hopefully, because Oh God, a wiring. I never want to do that stuff again. It was so time consuming. And oh yeah. It's, it's, such a waste it's, of money. it's annoying. I think, I don't know if it's the same for you, but t- finding like an IBAN number and your ePay numbers and, mm-hmm. and stuff like, uh, yeah, having any, account numbers, people. the physical yeah, address of the people yeah. and their bank. <laughs> it's like, this is too much information for what's needed. Yeah. I mean, they, they need to, and this will take a global effort, but some sorts of, um, Freedom of Payments Act would be mm-hmm. would be nice. So it's like anyone can pay anyone as long as it's through one of these official systems. But it's it's not going to take forever, and we're not going to charge you. Which I guess is kind of where the crypto space was 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 trying to move towards, wasn't it? But even so, if you look at your ETH, your Bitcoin, or any of the other kind of level one coins or a lot of them then you still have that issue unfortunately yeah you've got to pay gas fees instead instead of bank fees yeah um, and it it a lot easier days. what's that yeah it will never take days but it's it still could take 20 minutes half an hour for, for somebody to go through if you're using ethel or, or btc so mm-hmm. i think it's interesting with we've just recreated the same problem and to look at the likes of solana or cardano or the, or the other guys that have barely any gas Mm-hmm. Many, any transaction fees and yeah, and nice and instant. But yeah, you're right. You could absolutely share somebody, share your wallet, ping over some money. Hey, throw to convert it into an RWA TAO, like tokenized asset offering, whilst you're there, and upload mm-hmm. all the mortgage details and documents, and boom, there we go. You've yeah. solved all the problems. Exactly. That's the beauty of it. It's not just a currency that's uh, going down in value over time, but uh, an asset that's growing in value over time. So that ten dollars of Solana you sent to cover that burrito that your friend bought you. Well, that ten dollar you know in Solana is now worth fifteen, twenty dollars in the future if that person just has it sit. It's kind of like having your Venmo or PayPal or Cash App balance growing over time as you just let it sit. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, real yeah. real real time investing on on your live money. Yeah. So that comes up must come down sometimes. Yeah, it'll go. Yeah, it'll go down. I, I remember. I, I I saw. I pay a portion of my uh, rent in in crypto, and so it's just kind of funny seeing the fluctuation of oh, so all those rent payments because uh, she doesn't 
sell any any of it she just holds and it's like wow so all those rent payments i gave you are, have uh effectively doubled once Solana hit 30 bucks it was just yeah. kind of fun to see and just she's new to crypto and just seeing that all works if something clicks and you're like why am i doing anything in us dollars and so something like fed now coming out it's kind of updating the system to the 21st century now instead of using the same protocols that we used in the 1970s. Yeah, and I, I think it's only fair and it's only ever going to be a positive thing for for consumers and users to, to enable their money to be more fluid. And at the end of the day, that 40 bucks or 20 bucks or, or whatever that you're paying for any of these transactions is only going to go back into society when you've got that to spend on something else, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, does the bank really need an extra $50 per transaction or per, like, large transaction? Or can that fifty dollars be spent on buying a few rounds at the pub? <laughs> like, well, yeah, which one's better absolutely. for the economy overall? You know, yeah, I mean, and they'll they'll still be making their their piece of the pie anyway. It's just instead of charging fifty dollars on say a million transactions a year, they've just enabled themselves to only charge one cent per billion transactions. They'll still make the same money. It's just a lower amount on a bigger yield. Yeah, it's kind That's of one much. of the the good things of kind of a capitalistic competition is like, well, whatever the banks charge, it's got to be less than Venmo and PayPal. They already lost all that money already. And so now they're basically back in the game. And so whatever the, however low the banks can charge and however low the Fed would charge, Fed says it's free, but it's not like people have an actual account with the Fed. It's going to be passed on to by the banks to the consumer so they can squeeze out more profit. But, I mean, they won't be able to charge more than 1% or 2% per transaction um, if you could just do the same thing through some other payment system. Yeah, not, not, not too sure. Not too sure. It doesn't look like massive amounts of details have been released on what the fees and, and stuff are going to be. Talking, talking yeah. of fees, do you, do you guys still have to pay to take money out of the ATM? Uh, it depends. Uh, so I have the benefit of having like a veterans bank, um, USAA. And so for me, it's, they don't have any, a very few physical bank branches. It was basically an online bank. And so one of the perks of it is they, they refund any ATM fees you pay. So if I'm at, you know, some nightclub that charges $10 for an ATM pool, it's like, well, the next day I'm going to get a $10 sent back to my account from the bank itself. But for most everyone else, yeah, usually two, three bucks per ATM pool. Not that I, that's no question. <laughs> oh man, it's, it blows my mind again. And in the UK, like it's against the law for banks to charge to withdraw money from from their ATMs. I mean, we still have chargeable ATMs, but they're the one they're normally like private owned, mm-hmm. and you find them in small corner stores and and stuff, and they charge say two bucks to, to withdraw from, but otherwise every single other ATM in, in the UK is completely free of charge, whether you're a member of that bank or, or not. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'd have to check cause I, I don't have any other regular bank accounts. So I'm kind of away from the big banks <laughs> kind of uh, field of things. feels kind of nice knowing I'm not making JP Morgan any richer than they already are. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Uh, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's still the case. Maybe not for your own bank, but certainly most ATMs I come across have a charge. They'll always get you somewhere. Yeah. Always get you somewhere. Nickel a dime. I mean, if you get $2 per transaction and you got a hundred 
thousand transactions. Well, there you go. <laughs> you just you just became a six figure income person. Yeah, making bucks. I remember seeing some Instagram um, videos like this this guy that goes up to people in California or some other rich place with and goes up to their cars like, So, how did you make your billions? And it was this old guy. And he's like, Well, every time the medical industry moves some money or makes a payment, I make 0.1 to the power of five cents. And there's billions of transactions every year. So, mm-hmm. I make a lot of money from that because yeah. he holds the, the painting. <laughs> this is exactly right. Like. Yeah, it's kind of like that uh, office space uh, that, that plan they had where we're stealing like a fraction of a fraction of a penny from the company, but over time, <laughs> and they look at the account and it was millions of dollars that they stole from the company on accident. Yeah, it's kind of like that. Yeah. And talking of nickel and diamond people, perfect segue into NFT royalties, I, mm-hmm. I feel like. Yes. So, for people who listen to our last podcast on kind of what is an NFT, we loosely touched on on royalties, I believe. But just as a, a quick recap, so NFTs are designed that the original um, kind of artist or, or project can set a fee. Um, so every time that that product is sold, um, they they basically receive a tax fee or or, or whatever on it, normally around five percent or three percent. And then in the last when was it six months? Magic Eden, in, who are one of the, who are the leading NFT marketplace in um, kind of Solana and, and definitely moving into all the ordinal space and, and such, decided that they were going to make a way for people to not pay royalties. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's a really, really bad thing. Really, I think yeah, I think it's I think it's really unfair. I mean, if you look at any business. Well, well, let's rewind it back. I mean, the whole point of NFTs, right, was to allow the original creator to continuously earn from from their efforts. And a lot of the original projects and, and artists and stuff would release these collections and maybe lower the mint price to say, look, we're going to have a 5% fee, ongoing development and payment of our staff and things. Like as you guys are trading, you know, every single trade that you do is is going back into the project so we can do more cool stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's been con- completely eliminated. And when you use websites like Tensor, who um, I really like, another marketplace, they they set the pay royalties by default to no. In fact, I don't think you can even pay royalties through through that website. And But equally, as a, as a end user you're kind of in two minds. You're like, one, I want to support the project that I'm trading for, but if you're offering me a 5% discount, then I would want to take that, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And I wonder if it's at the bottom kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, if you if you went to buy a car and they went, by the way, there's an optional 5% tip <laughs> to, to go to, to the car garage, you'll go, no, thanks. Like, yeah. I will just save 5%. It's exactly the same, the same thing here. Yeah. Yeah, especially. I, the, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, and I, th- I think the impact on the ecosystem, the projects, um, and almost the psychological impact on day traders is is much much bigger, and because we're seeing people flip trade so fast now, because before you'd have to kind of make a five percent profit to sell, and now you don't have to worry about that margin, and it's just as long as you can sell it for more, then then great, because you're not losing. Five percent of that deal to to the project. 
Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, I, I was thinking more of the uh, the bigger ones. So like when an NFT project goes to selling for a 50 Solana or 100 Solana, that's when the royalty really starts kicking in. That one helps the project itself because now each single trade, and if it's trading at 100 Solana, 5% royalty, that's five Solana going into you know the project's account every single transaction. And if you're getting 100 transactions per day, averaging at 100 Solana, it's like, well... Now you just had 500 Solana going into your account every single day. So, I mean, it's definitely a reliable source of revenue for projects to a certain extent if you get to that level. But yeah, I could see how reduced getting rid of those royalties could really undercut a bunch of projects. But what I was seeing on Magic is I was out of the space during this whole transition and I just showed up to Magic Eden and it has this box of no royalties, partial royalties and full royalties. Would you be able to explain what that's all about? Because I've been too afraid to ask. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I I only know the full royalties. What was the other one you said? The it was like partial or half. I think was the partial. other. Uh, okay. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, it will it will be a case. Let's say you're buying something for a hundred sol. We're just picking it for an easy number. Then if you say I'll pay the the full royalties or people whatever's kind of listed in the metadata, so it'd be five percent, ten percent. So the price would go up by five sol in this example. Or, I guess the other option should be called nominal tip. Like, do do you want to give just one soul or one percent, two percent, three percent, or whatever to that? So it's 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 yeah. I mean that that that's what that's for. Mm-hmm. But it's I, I guess it's it's a tough one. I mean, I'm I'm part of Wolf Capital, and if you only have to look at their sales bot and see that ninety nine percent of people are trading without paying them any royalties. And it's so much of a problem for them because they they kind of they require those to pay their developers and, and bits because they're a true true building um, kind of project that they've had to turn around and they've come up with creative ways to say hey look we're doing various artist airdrops we're doing various things but we've got a method to now track if you're paying royalties or not and if you don't pay royalties on anything that you own with us you just don't qualify mm-hmm. no you physically cannot qualify and. When I first bought into them, um, I think I bought about 30 of them without kind of realizing, did what everyone else did, press the, I'm not going to pay royalties. And they were doing some airdrops, and I missed out on the airdrop and had to retrospectively go back and, and pay all the royalties mm-hmm. just so I could qualify for, for everything else. Um, and again, like they've just done their ordinals kind of whitelist, and if you, if you hadn't paid the royalties, you just don't qualify. So people are missing out on, on opportunities um, by pushing that that kind of pay or, or or don't pay and you miss out then then they are starting to get more that they're a, they're a really good example of a project that needs that kind of predictable or, or kind of at least steady stream of income through trading because they 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 have lots of trades going on but they're not not earning anything from it yeah but i yeah. just okay. well i mean what what do you why do you think magic eden or why do you think the ecosystem decided that you kind of go against the whole premise of an NFT and make royalties optional. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm just checking it again because uh, I, I haven't really thought about this too much. Um, but now I'm here at Magic Eden just kind of scrolling through all these projects. And uh, it looks like, yeah, so, so there's, um, they might have enabled a new option, but I'm seeing a lot saying of royalties enforced now for a lot of collections versus, uh, yeah, it just being an optional, non half and full so like the smb gen 2s 
royalties are, you can select what royalties you want to pay, like a tip jar. SMD Gen 3's royalties are enforced. So maybe Magic Eden circled back on that or just projects can, you know, make it, they can choose if they want to enforce royalties or not. So um, I haven't seen what it looks like on Tensor though. I haven't actually used that exchange. But I think just definitely leaving it up NFTs have so many different use cases, so many different varieties. They're not all just profile pictures with silly cartoon JPEGs. I mean, some of these are really complex and in-depth projects. So the royalty system that they use for trading those NFTs is going to vary a lot from project to project. So I think it's just imperative for any exchange to just kind of have it out there of have do what you want with your royalties, you know, enforce them, make them optional, full, half, partial, whatever. Uh, just dependent on the nature of your project. But I don't think any project should solely rely on royalties being what they use to fund their teams because, yeah, that just leaves your project vulnerable to the whimsies of the market as opposed to a genuine third-party revenue stream to pay for all your uh, team members. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I do agree. And, and well, I guess that's the, the difference between a project working towards being a business, um, kind of a finding that that external source of income, be it through a merch or, or be it through a proper business model. Or, yeah, I, I think relying on those feeds is, is dangerous. But at the same time, it can take 12 months to develop something. And in the meantime, they need that drip feed of, of kind of revenue and, and profits to come through to to pay everyone if assuming they've not made enough money off the initial mint mm-hmm. um, but i think it's good if if the project creators can enforce royalties to be paid on on magic eden then great i it would i would then argue why why would any project not be pressing that yeah, um, I think they just haven't checked on their Magic Eden page in a while because <laughs> I don't know if that's just a recent addition to Magic Eden or not. But I don't follow any of their socials, so I don't know when that was announced. But just something I literally just noticed uh, when I was just doing my own research real quick while we were recording. <laughs> yeah, I can I can see here. Yeah, it does say full, half, or none on royalties to be paid on on Magic Eden. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then if you go check the SMB gen 3 collection it'll say royalty enforce and it, it takes away that uh optional drop box so kind of a choose your own adventure if you're uh, launching an nft project or part of a project and you want to trade with them but yeah going back to this nickel and diming thing i mean that could definitely be thing. i mean I, touching back onto gods i didn't they establish like some stupidly high royalty fee like i think that's what the 33 <laughs> percent was about or if you sell your D-God, you're going to pay 33%. <laughs> you're going to lose 33% on that trade or something like that. Yeah, so they they, they had a really, really interesting um, kind of model. And it was the, the first people to, to ever do it. And so they used to call it the paper hand bitch tax. Yeah. <laughs> and they had a method. And I don't think it actually really worked. There was kind of a few flaws with it. But if you sold below floor price then you lost 33% of the sale to them, basically. So it was trying to incentivize people and, and maybe, I don't know, does this qualify as a Ponzi scheme or, or something? Oh, right. so it's only ever list things for 33% higher 
then you paid for it, right? Because otherwise, or at least above the floor price. Mm-hmm. And what people were finding is in periods of massive, like, uh, kind of buying opportunities to so say you might be on holiday or just overnight, a hundred D gods were purchased because somebody swept all the floors. Mm-hmm. They, the price could have gone up, but you would have then become the floor price and then you lose 33% of your sale. So people were getting pretty annoyed that they were like, hey, look, I listed way above floor price, but I became the floor price because I didn't notice the floor was swept and now you've just taxed me loads. Mm-hmm. Um, so there were a few issues with that. And, but they were quite creative with how they were doing it and I think they changed it a few times and, and that sort of thing. Um, but they were really pushing the boundaries on on the royalties. But Yeah, very experimental, yeah. <laughs> innovative. Yeah, yeah. It's but cool. I mean, the, the gods have... <laughs> You got to make millions in royalties oh, from yeah. their trade. Like, oh, yeah. Absolute millions. Just that alone. I mean, just boggles my mind how much they probably made on royalties alone. So, is that something that was hard coded in the NFT smart contract? But it would scan the floor price sold on a particular exchange. And if the sell price was under, then is that kind of how it was? Or was it just some other system they were using to make that happen? It mess- yeah. yeah, I think it was. I think it was in the smart contract. I mean, this is back in the day, right? So Magic Eden didn't exist. Yeah, um, this was when Solid Art was a thing and, and stuff. So, yeah, I, I, uh, I think it must have been hard coded. Must have been hard coded in, into it. Yeah, yeah. We really need to get someone from Degods in here to explain to us what this whole process was. Because I remember Degods at Eight Soul, and then hearing this weird thing that they were doing. I'm like, all right. Well, I'm leaving the space, so good luck. And oh, it worked. Nice. Good to know. <laughs> I'm just I'm just having a look at the gods actually. Like I think their royalties are still still thirty three percent. Thirty three percent. Oh my that's just the ungodly levels of uh Yeah, unless I'm unless I'm misreading it. I mean it says it's NFT is both NFTs in this collection, but royalties and force and without royalties and if i'm clicking on one that's a thousand and it's saying the royalty is 333 solana no way yeah you're right it's still there so if i were to buy buy this 1000 solana jpeg of a degada nft i'd have to pay 333 solana which times what 25 right now that's a few thousand dollars just in the royalty alone that's added on top of the purchase price. So, yeah. That's okay. just insane. I don't understand. What I, I'm wondering if what I've clicked, because there's only like 10 D gods showing up, and the lowest one is 1,000 Solana. The floor price can't be 1,000. They can't only be like this many 11 listed, surely not. I, I think we have to get back into the, to join that Discord or something and figure it out. But I know that they made a switch to Ethereum. So a lot of them aren't on Solana anymore, or there's some staking mechanism involved, um, or it's just that's just how it is. Where that's just what the price actually is now. Yeah, just trying to. Oh yeah, I mean, there's loads on F. Yeah, I think that is just the price. I mean, our lowest F one is. I think it's actually nine, the price. Nine point two F. Yeah, so twenty five thousand dollars just to buy one now, and then. <laughs> To actually make that transaction happen, it's going to cost you 33% on top of that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's bonkers, isn't it? Yeah. So that would be, what, 8000 So $25,000 for the NFT plus 
8,000 and some change for <laughs> just going yeah, straight just to Frank's bank account. <laughs> yeah, it does seem like the Ethereum ones you don't pay that that level of royalty on. I don't know, something seems up. There's only like 19 listed on S. Something seems weird. Yeah, only 11 listed on uh, Solana. Unless they're all ordinals now. Very well We're digressing. We, we've gone way off. Oh yeah, we've we definitely gone way off. We've got into the <laughs> NFT, the NFT <laughs> hole. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this, this is how it happens. It's like an addiction. There's 83 listed on Bitcoin. Wow, it costs one Bitcoin to buy one. One whole Bitcoin to buy one. And I'm not even sure if that even has the uh, transaction fee on top of it. Yeah, I guess bringing it back to listeners and actual people who are getting <laughs> empty space. I mean, this is the potential if you're creating a successful NFT project. Just imagine they've got, you know, 20 trades per day happening on your collection and you're collecting a certain percentage of that. Whatever you set, then whatever you establish in your smart contract and whatever options you choose on the exchange, like Magic Eden, if you enforce those royalties or not. But then also on the other side, on the buyer's end, is something to consider. You know, it's you can't exactly do free willy-nilly trading unless it's some royalty-free project. Um, so this could slowly eat into your profit margins and your you know flipping points. So you know, I'm sure there's some economic analysis professor out there who's just all about this and all these crazy charts of. Well, if you have a 5% royalty fee, this is how it affects demand and sales. And this is what your supply and demand chart will look like and all that stuff. But yeah, I, mean, I, I would argue that if I had a project and I wasn't making royalties, then why make the project? Mm -hmm. I, I don't care then if it trades loads, but I'm not making anything from it. Surely you want the royalties in force. I think 33% is, is too much. Yeah, that's cute. It's horrible. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, you surely you want everybody invested by charging royalties to push you to continue to provide a great service because you know you're going to be paid on the volume of the trades. Yeah, exactly. And that's kind of one of the, the risk and rewards because you get to choose the size of your NFT collection. So if you have something that's relatively small, like say 500 to 750 NFTs in a collection, you probably won't get as much trading volume as something that has a 10,000 you know, NFT collection. But at the same time, the economic energy required to maintain a larger system versus a smaller system, very different. So it really runs into an interesting game of risk versus reward when you decide on how big an empty collection you want, what, what kind of royalties do you want to establish when people sell it, you know, what other features you want to add to it, what's its economic worth, why are people wanting to spend $30,000 for an NFT? It's that the, the reasons are as endless as there are unique projects coming out every day. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So does that mean if I do a one-to-one -one and I can charge 100% tax? <laughs> I, I, I don't think there's anything stopping you from charging 100% tax. <laughs> you get basically the sale price in your account, each transaction. Just, just donations. Everyone's giving, just donating me their money. Basically, that's essentially what it is. I guess that would be a great idea for a nonprofit, learn it. If you're like some charity organization, you know, say it's a GoFundMe account, right? And this is a project that I actually want to do. It's just such a sensitive topic and it's I don't think I've seen anyone do it yet. I'd love to see if I came across it yet. But basically, say you've got a good friend of yours dying of cancer and 
well, you're in the U.S. <laughs> Let me step back. <laughs> you're in the U.S. and you're dying of cancer. Now you have this huge medical bill just to stay alive and pay for the things. Most people, I think that's really what the American healthcare systems devolved into is just GoFundMe uh, campaigns. So what if you took those GoFundMe campaigns to create a mint and so now people can, you know, trade these NFTs, it gives you access to certain discords and you throw down a 100% royalty fee whenever people want to sell it, knowing that you also get a profit from it if you sell it at a, you know, at a profit. But in addition, the buyer is also donating to the original project. So now it's kind of like an infinite GoFundMe campaign that doesn't end so long as there's interest driving the NFT collection. How's that an idea for you? How about free healthcare for all? <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? Why doesn't, instead of having to trade NFTs to stop some poor child dying of cancer, everyone <laughs> could just pay a little bit of each dollar you spend to the greater good of all mankind, uh, and everyone can have free healthcare. That's comic bullshit. We believe in freedom and dying in debt <laughs> here in America. <laughs> Except we freedom don't, because, I mean, I've had free healthcare my entire adult life, but that's just, you know, perks of being in certain services for the, <laughs> the American government. But if you're just a regular Joe on the street, yeah, it's kind of a shitty place to be in. <laughs> so you kind of have to do these crazy GoFundMe and charity campaigns just to make ends meet oh it's nice i was thinking about it the other week when 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 my son went into hospital for a week or so i was like damn if i was in the states i'd be bank, like bankrupt oh yeah just from a week weeks weeks so. and guess who takes like, all the middlemen soaking up all these little payments and that one guy you mentioned who gets a fraction of a penny of every medical transaction <laughs> yeah everyone everyone gets their piece yeah, one good so I, I would make. I think it's a very easy argument that the uh, the U.S. business uh, situation is less focused on innovation and definitely catered more to stifling competition and nickel diving everyone along the way. Just a bunch of salesmen and middlemen instead of producers and innovators. To a to a certain extent. Yeah, yeah, but no, I I, I think. I think there's some merit in what you were you were talking about, but I think would that artificially inflate the cost of more medical stuff? Because they're like, hey, now everyone's funding this through NFTs and things, so screw it, we'll charge them more. Yeah, Kaiser Permanente NFT collection. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be the day? I think that I'd be very bullish on NFT and <laughs> crypto ecosystem overall if that ends up being the case. But I mean. That'd probably be the easiest way to fund a private practice. I mean, we, we should do a whole episode on, you know, a little uh, thought experiments of what healthcare through NFTs would look like. I, I just want to go off on another hour just throwing down these ideas and see what you think. But I think I think what would be really cool, and this is maybe this is a bit bit weird, but like every single time somebody has an X-ray, it's automatically minted on oh, an yeah. X-ray NFT collection. Because the rare ones would be like really interesting breaks. Yeah. You know, like how weird is that? You'd be like, oh, I've got my fractures collection. Or, oh, dude, this one's completely shattered. He was run over by a car. Or be like, curiosity. It would, yeah, that could, be the, that could be the collection name. Morbid, yeah. morbid curiosity. Yeah, or also educational for med students so they could see hundreds of x-rays if they want to. And then maybe have it tagged to some kind of medical write-up case study. Like, 
what did the practitioner or the x-ray technician say about this fracture? Oh, it's, you know, a quarter distal fracture or the whatever. Yeah. Oh. And the person whose x-ray it is, is the person that gets the royalties. Yeah. And they get traded. Exactly. And some med student says, all right, I don't want this one anymore. And they sell it. 5% of that transaction goes to, or maybe they sell it to some university. Now this university owns this entire NFT collection and they're the ones buying and giving the patients the royalties and selling it to other universities or what have you. I mean, I, I think, I think this could definitely be made for a great episode next week. What do you think? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, let's do it. Let's I'm do it. Tentatively, tentatively do that because we definitely segued way away from what we're <laughs> talking about. <laughs> I love it though. Anyways, cool. so how do we recap? To summarize, to summarize <laughs> the US is now joining the, the rest of the planet and no longer charging and waiting three days for payments. So congratulations, guys. You've finally done something. (laughs) Um, We spoke about royalties, the impact that might have on the ecosystem. I think it's a bad thing that it's optional. I think it should be enforced, but we're saying that uh, collections now seem to be able to to enforce royalties on on their collections, which which is a good thing. I guess there might be rhyme or reason why you don't want to charge a royalty for those sorts of things. And yeah, yeah, healthcare nice. for all, healthcare for all, and just uh, send money anywhere in the world to whoever you want for free and fast. That's the future. It's happening. You heard it here. <laughs> Lost. I think you did a great job with that recap. <laughs> and next week, tentatively, we'll talk about healthcare use cases for NFTs, which I would love to do some research on that and just see what you think about some of these crazy ideas. Yeah, man, I think that'd be super interesting. Maybe we can try and find a doctor to join us. I doubt. I've got, I've got a, a, some some medical friends, but the problem is you have to teach them NFTs before we talk about what they can do with NFTs. That's well, the they can just listen to a past episode, right? What is NFTs? Yeah, just have them catch up, spend a couple hours listening to some episodes, and boom, now you're all caught up, and now you can talk about use cases of how you can open up your private practice using NFTs. Anyway, yeah, sounds good. Sounds good, man. You've been listening to Two Strangers One of the Podcast. I've been your co-host, Case Torito. And I've been Omega. Thanks for listening, and uh, we'll see you next week. See you next week.